1: I knew this was coming. I knew, I knew it
0: was coming. Gentlemen and ladies, brothers and sisters, people, whoever you are and wherever you are, welcome to the Truth Prescription Podcast. I'm your host, Doctor Seku Gathers. And each week I interview successful people from around the world and discuss how accepting the truth can propel your career and help you live a life of gusto and purpose. No mantras, no gimmicks, just the truth. So close your eyes and open your ears and let's get into this. Come on. Good people. Today I'm super excited. In this two-part series, we're featuring Fox Sports journalist and analyst Chris Broussard. For part two, we go into details about his faith, his family, and some controversy he faced in his career regarding homosexuality in sports. Then we finish it off with Yes or BS. Let's go. So, you know, in 2013, you had some controversy. I think, yes. you, I think you know what I'm talking about. Yes, yes. Um, you made some comments about uh, Jason Collins uh, coming out as uh, homosexual and sort of what your thoughts were from a Christian perspective. My question is kind of like how do you balance your faith um working in an industry um who may not prioritize the same principles right, that you have? Right, right. Well, um
1: I let the principles of my faith guide me in terms of my character, my integrity, my work ethic, um you know, and those are all good things. Like my Christian The biblical principles teach me to work hard, you know, to whatever I do, I'm doing in the name of Christ. So I'm representing him, even if I'm not saying his name and all that and yelling, hey, I'm a Christian, (laughs) but I'm representing him. Just like if I'm a Nike, if I endorse Nike, everything I do represents Nike. If I do something foul, Nike might drop me. You know, I'm not saying God will drop you, but, you know, anyone that's endorsed by Nike has to understand, Okay. Wherever I'm at, whatever I'm doing, it's a representative of them, you know. And so
0: Tiger found that out.
1: Right. Exactly. They dropped him when, you know, when he got involved in this stuff. So Michael Vick, same thing. So um, that leads me to be a hard worker, leads me to do the best I can, leads me to, you know, work with integrity and not try to, you know, I'm not. There are some people that look at the athletes as objects. You just an object for me to write a great story. You just an object for me to get a Pulitzer prize or something. I don't look at them that way. I look at them as people, you know, and and you know, they got feelings just like I got and you know, um you have to treat them with respect, you know, cuz they're human beings. And so it guides me number 1 in in all those ways in the way I carry myself which can be beneficial to a company or whatever. Um and then with the Jason Collins thing, uh, if you notice that day, I was on Sports Center like three or four times before I was on Outside the Lines, which is where I talked about got where the controversy began. And on SportsCenter, I was simply in the role of a reporter. So I was just objectively answering questions, keeping my personal views out of it. And so I was just saying how this is – I'm texting with and talking to coaches, players, agents, people around the league, and this is what they're telling me. Okay, that was it. You know, then when I went on out, so that's what I would do. I don't bring my personal feelings into it. There are people sometimes can get confused. Like, um, there are players or people that I interview that I deal with that I don't agree with their lifestyle, and sometimes people are like, well, why'd you? interview him. Why are you cool with him? Why are you friend? And I'm like, look, I don't judge people, you know, based on like, I'm not, I'm not looking down on them because they're not a Christian or they're not living according to Christian teachings, you know, and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't like look down on athletes or, or anyone who might not be living according to biblical Standards. Now, if they're wandering around claiming to be a Christian, that's that's one thing. That's <laughs> right. different. Right. I mean, the Bible talks about that. Like, people that claim to be a Christian and follow Christ, you should live a certain way. As was He. Yeah. Exactly. And if you don't, other Christians should, admonish. you know, try to help you. Yeah, yeah, admonish you and let you. But if a person's not claiming that, then they're, you know, you shouldn't expect them necessarily to live by the teachings, you know. So, um, but yeah, I so on Outside the Lines, I mean, they asked me a direct question about Christianity and and homosexuality. Like they just directly, it wasn't, you know, it, it was uh it was a different, you know, outside the lines gets into your personal thoughts. Like, and they had me on there. To say what I believe because they had me on with LZ Grandis who was a friend of mine who was a homosexual and they knew we were friends. They knew we had a good relationship and they knew we were on polar opposite sides. And I don't think they did it to sabotage either one of us. I think they did it because they thought it would be good TV. And I think it was good TV. <laughs> <laughs> right, right.
0: And you said later that people actually came up to you and said thank you for saying what oh, you yeah, said. Oh yeah, yeah. You
1: know, to this day, man. To this day, that was five years ago. To
0: this five and a half years ago. So for the before you go on, just for the people that don't know, just just to say what you said. No paraphrase. What, you yeah.
1: What happened was Jason Collins, when he came out, he wrote an article in Sports Illustrated, and he came out as a homosexual, and he said, "I'm." a Christian as well. You know, he talked about his faith. And so they asked me, this host asked me directly, Chris, what do you think about Jason saying he's a Christian, you know, and a homosexual. And so, you know, look, as I said earlier, I'm not the Lord. I don't make up the rules for Christianity. (laughs) (laughs) I don't make up the, what you, you know. And so I, I said, look, Jesus himself said, You know them by their fruit. You don't know people. He said, many will say to me, Lord, Lord. But he said, the ones that that really, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. He said, you know, the people that love me are those that do the will of my father. And the Bible gives us the will of the father according to the Bible. I didn't say all this, but I'm just saying, um, Jesus said, you know, Christians by the way they live, not by just they say they believe in me. And so I basically said, you know, look, I said Jesus said, you know them by their fruit, and um, I believe anyone living in unrepentant sin, and not just homosexuality. If it's if you're a womanizer, if you an adulterer, if you're a homosexual, like, and you're living that way unrepentantly, it's one thing to struggle. Everybody struggles. Nobody's perfect, and you can struggle with that sin, homosexuality. You can struggle with that, and you're trying to live according to what God says, but that's a struggle for you and be a Christian. But when you live it unrepentantly, yo, this is who I am. This is how I live. And y'all better like it. Like what, you know, (laughs) God said it's cool. Then I, I don't, according to the Bible, you're not a Christian. And that's a paraphrase. I didn't say all of that, but basically that's what I said. And, um, yeah to this day, I mean, obviously I call a lot of heat from you know a yeah, lot of a lot of different yeah <laughs> embraces <yeah, your> <laughs> everywhere and um, but man, every arena I go into somebody comes up I have players coming up to me, coaches coming up to me, um I still have fans of every age, race, gender, um coming up to me, thanking me. Uh, I still get invitations to speak at churches because of that, largely. Um, so a lot of Christians needed to see somebody just stand up for what they believe in. And and what I would say, you know, I, I have a I don't want to sound cliche. I got friends who are homosexuals, you know. So right. I'm not you know hating I got that. Point. Right, right, yeah. right, right. I hate <laughs> right. to sound cliche, but right. it's true. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah. hate on people, but I do believe that there's a faction of our society now that claims tolerance and to want tolerance, but they're not tolerant of the beliefs of Christians, you know, who disagree with certain things, you know. And one thing I said, and LZ and I talked about this: is like, if I can work side by side with him or somebody who's a homosexual, and be friends with them, respect them, treat them with love and all that, even though I disagree with them, then they should be able to work side by side with me. Sure. Even though they disagree with me. You know? And um so uh it's interesting because Colin Kaepernick, you know, they the Nike just came out with the ad yeah, of, yeah. you know, if what is it, if you don't believe in anything. No, believe in something to the point where you're give up everything for it or something like that. That's what I'm doing. And that's what Christians are called to do. So society, if we're a pluralistic society, you have to make room for those who are religious. You know, whether they Jewish, because I got Jewish support too. Yeah. And Muslim. I got Muslim support too. And it's interesting because you see a lot of people that are, you know, might be quote unquote radicals today or left wing and I don't I'm not left wing right wing whatever but left wing that they really push a lot of the islam and pro islam and 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 I'm fine with you know again I got muslim friends you know a lot of <laughs> you know but and I do I got a lot of muslim friends yeah but it's funny that a lot of people who criticize christians for our beliefs on sexual immorality they embrace muslims not knowing, first of all, the Muslims' views on sexuality are exact, are pretty much exactly the same as Christians, yeah. but but they go to a much further degree, in, you know, of, of looking down or or treating people that they don't agree with in terms of their sexual, you know, lifestyle, and so it's just funny that people will embrace that, but. They want to be critical of, of Christians, you know, who have the same belief, but they actually want to speak the truth in love. Sure. You know, so yeah. I, I don't want to get too wordy and too, you know, off off course. But um, and I and 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 I also spoke with Jason Collins mm, like the cool. next day. Yeah. And we had a That's great right. conference. So we talked over about 10 minutes. And I just wanted to let him know because I reached out to his agent, like, hey, I want to talk to Jason. And um I was like, look, man. It's a lot of stuff being reported out there that ain't true. Like, you know, some people writing, I don't want him in the NBA. I don't think he should be in the NBA. Right. People writing, oh, well, Chris Broussard, you know, why don't you, like I said, you don't have a problem with these athletes being womanizers and cheating on their wife, but you, you got problems. No, nah, right. I never said right. It. Right. In fact, I, what I did say was I I, I lumped in adultery with uh, homosexuality. I lumped in fornication with homosexuality so i i did actually touch on all of that but like i said i don't look down at a brother that goes to strip clubs because like i said there was i you know right. w- w- but for the grace of god right. so um yeah so i told jason i was like man look i i respect you know it takes a lot of courage to do what you did and come out regardless of whether i agree with it i don't have any problem with you being in the league i never even had a thought about you shouldn't be in the NBA. And it was a good conversation. He was coolly understood. I've seen him a few times since then. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. All right. Let's, let's talk a little bit about the King movement. Um, You, you make a, a a real distinction that it's not an organization does programs, but it's a movement. Right. Um, Talk a little bit about the, just the nuance of a movement versus an organization. Um, And more specifically, just in terms of the two things I like is the, Dealing with the fatherlessness and the drug and alcohol abuse, how how those in particular, because I think they tie in with a lot of the other things. Right. Well, do you do, this is King Movement going to address those? Yeah, yeah. Have I mean, been addressing those.
1: Yeah, we uh, one thing like you say, it's a movement versus an organization. Um, we we want to be an organic, you know, you really a movement with organizational principles, you know, because something that's just a movement, if you look at history, it always kind of falls apart. You know, uh, wall, occupy Wall Street. Like, where's that now? You know what I mean? And it's good for a season, but if there's no organizational principles to keep it together, it'll either vanish or it can become something it never was meant to be. And so we want to be a movement. We don't want to just be an organization that does programs like the YMCA Salvation Army, which are great things, but we want to be an organic, you know, movement. Um, but yet have some organizational principles. So we never get, you know, we never become something we weren't meant to be Okay. Uh, as a, as an organ, as a movement, um, as far as helping, you know, we're a Christian Christ centered organization. And so just like my testimony, we believe that, you know, when you give your life to Christ and you follow, you try to follow Christ, it, it changes your life. We have guys in King, that were delivered from, you know, uh drug addiction, alcohol addiction, some that had hit women, you know, some that had been in jail, um, some that had uh cheat, you know, been womanized and cheated on their wives a lot, um, but who through giving their life to Christ have, you know, turned around and and lead a whole different lifestyle now, um, and are better citizens and better men. And so um, as far as the fatherlessness and the drug abuse, that's the root of how we address things is if you claim, if you've given your life to Christ or if you give your life to Christ and you claim to follow him, we can teach you through his word how to be a father. And, you know, first of all, if you follow in his word, you wouldn't, you, if you're, you know, chances of you having a child out of wedlock are lessened. You know, chances of you and your wife, if both of you are following, trying to follow the Lord, it may, you know, some Christians get divorced, but it it can lessen your chances of getting divorced. You know, like so a lot of good things, benefits, like if people can live according to Christ's teachings, there are a lot of benefits to society. You know, I think fatherlessness would drop. Crime would drop, you know. Racism would 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 vanish and drop. Right. You know, like there's so many teenage pregnancies, STDs. I mean, so many of the things that plague the African American community and society as a whole would really uh, be done away with or lessened. And those, a lot of those things, pay a heavy. We we pay a heavy financial price as a society for these things. Taxism. Um, and so a lot of you know there'll be a huge societal benefit, uh, to to our country if we could get men to live for Christ. Honestly, man, if we could get men that just go to church and men that claim to be Christians to live for Christ, that'd be huge. <laughs> I mean, we want to reach obviously right. outside of the church, but if we could just get the the people that claim to be Christians there to be there, yeah, right, yeah, right. and um, so so yeah, so we address those issues. Through uh, Christ, not uh, ignoring the systemic issues, because we also one thing in King, if in, in America, if you look at Christianity, there seem to there tend to be those that preach individual salvation and the personal piety and morality that comes with that. But don't address social issues or social justice issues. Don't address racism and things like that. Yeah, and the, yeah, right. Olson's right. Them, yeah. And then they got those on the other hand who only address social issues. They feed the homeless. You know, they, they speak out against, you know, mass incarceration. They do good things, but they don't talk about Jesus. They don't talk about salvation. They don't talk about, you know, living your life for him and through him and how he can change you individually you know what i mean they just do good and what king does we believe both are a part of the gospel you know because on the one hand jesus and the bible tells us how to live individually in terms of sexual ethics and just character integrity whatever it may be but it, he also tells us how to live corporately you know do unto others as you'd have them do unto you you know love your neighbor as yourself Social justice is just taking those words, do unto others as you want them to do unto you, to a macro level. That's it. So social justice, I mean, we talk a lot in King and try to deal with, like, the police brutality. Tamir Rice, 12-year-old, shot down by a cop in, what, one second in Cleveland because he had a toy gun. All Social justice is, okay, if you were Tamir Rice, would you want that done to you? If you were Rice's, Tamir Rice's mother, would you want that done to you? I would say to any right wing or Republican or person who, you know, disagrees with the social justice movement, ask yourself that question. Yeah. And if we know what the answer would be. Right.
0: If you're being truthful.
1: Exactly. Then <laughs> you should be on and don't say, well, he shouldn't have been playing with a gun, because your kids playing with guns. I played with toy guns. We, you know, it, so that's all social justice. So with King, we merge the two. Not not because we're trying to come up with something new, but just because we believe that's that's the Bible. Yeah, it makes sense. It's pure it's pure and simple written in the Bible and that's the full gospel. And so um so since there are a lot of systemic issues that are impact fatherlessness. Okay. It's not just man up. Be a man, take care <laughs> of your right. that's a part of it you know <laughs> that is a part of it, but it's what about when you know you 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 had some weed as a teenager and you got sent to juvenile detention center, and now you got a record when when the when the kids in the suburbs with the weed the white kids with the weed in the suburbs they got sent to rehab or nothing happened to them you know
0: they got to talking to
1: right right and you got sent to jail and now god knows what happened to you in there first of all but secondly you have a record so now it's hard for you to get a job it's hard your education's been disrupted you made a mistake no doubt but everybody makes mistakes and a, a lot of people make that mistake why were you punished differently and so now you get out you and maybe you you know you you can't get a decent job and you know so it's hard to be a, a real father to your kid when you don't have a job, when you don't have, you know, any authority and, um, you know, unemployment, the educational system. You know, there's a lot of systemic issues that oh. impact fathers. Heck, the police brutality yeah. is impacting it because those were fathers, a lot of fathers that were killed, you know, and black on black crime too. You know, so it's not just, you know, so we you have to look at it all. But there are a lot of systemic issues that impact some of these things, too. And they, they should be addressed,
0: too. Yeah. And I like I like what you said. The king tries to look at both sort of the individual responsibility and then also how can we impact what's going on in the community. Exactly. Because, you, you know, you, we don't live in a vacuum, right? We live in an environment. And, <laughs> so and I got to be honest, man.
1: I don't know how you feel about it, but I feel like on television, when you see African-American commentators on, on the plight of black America, you have one or the other. You have those on the right who will be like, "Pull your pants up." That's all. We just need to pull our pants. up. <laughs> you know, like they they focus on all of our shortcomings. It's all yes. our fault. Yes, it's all of it's all black people's fault. They focus on all our shortcomings, and then you have and don't say anything about the system. Don't say anything about the fact that whites are doing a lot of the same stuff and getting away with it. Don't say anything about the the poor schools and the poor housing and you know a lot of the systemic issues that uh, com, you know contribute to these things mm-hmm. and then on the other side you have those that all they do is crush the system and and blame racism for everything and oh it's just the <laughs> system. and don't say anything about our own as we as african americans what we need to do responsibility cuz yeah. we do need to be honest that there's a lot of things going on in our community that just systemic things can't address you know, and we we have to take some responsibility ourselves for some of the things going on. And that's to me, that's a more truthful answer. Yeah, that's a more effective answer because it is both. Yeah, it is both. And but but on television, you only tend, to, in my opinion, get one, one side other. or the other. Yeah.
0: yeah. And maybe that's by design. Probably. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Chris, how you how are you doing on time? I, I got time. You got time. Okay, because I got, we'll cause I got yeah. one more question, then we go into yes and be All nice. right. The last question is just about your marriage. You've been married twenty three years. I always ask people married. My thing is when I meet people, I meet couples that are married over ten years. I always ask them, "What's your secret? You know, <laughs> what's your secret number one and number two? Your in your view, what's your wife's greatest attribute?" Wow. Well, the secret for us
1: has been that we're both. Uh, sincere Christians. And so we're both trying to serve the Lord. Now we, we may make mistakes and we do, you know, make mistakes and, and fall short, but because she knows I'm a sincere Christian, she knows my heart. And if I made a mistake, I just made a mistake. It's not indicative of my character or person. Right, right. Yeah. And same thing with her. Um So in trying to do that, that's helped us praying you know, we pray together as a family and as a couple. Um, you know, so that, that for us has really been our secret. And, and, and again, I know there are good Christians that end up getting divorced, you know, but I do believe if you have both the husband and the wife really trying again, doing the others as you had them doing you. If, if the <laughs> wife is doing that and the husband doing that, you should be able to work, you know what I mean? Work things out. And so, um, so that's been the secret for us okay. uh as far as my wife's greatest attribute let me throw this out too you you wanna have fun too as a couple mm, you know okay, you still okay. gotta try to try to you still gotta try to date you know I, one thing I think is good, and I think you know this
0: is hang out with other couples, yes, you know um. That are about marriage and about yes. doing well and about supporting each other. because yes. you can hang out with some couples right. <laughs> that want to swing, right? right. <laughs> Either want to swing or or the wife is talking to the other wife about how you know how, how yes. bad the husband is. True. That that doesn't true. You know, that's not helpful.
1: That's that's very true. That's very true. <laughs> so know. that's the yeah. to swing. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> but um, as far as her best attribute. um, she is, uh, I mean, she got. There's a lot I could point to.
0: Mm-hmm. Trying, Crystal oh. Bursaw, we're talking about you.
1: <laughs> I don't, this isn't her best, but I want to say she's not a nagging wife. You know, she's she's got a very her temperament is very calm. Mm-hmm. We're similar in that regard. I think I'm a little more volatile, but we're similar. She's <laughs> not that volatile. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like she's not a nagging wife. Always nagging you. Um, and she's, uh, she's very like just organized and, you know, like on top of everything that needs to, you know, go on in the house. Um, in the, with the family, I mean, with the girls in college or when they were in high school or, you know, she's just very on top of all of that stuff.
0: Which is impressive, given the fact that you know she's a she's a physician. She's a not just a, a an internist, but she's a specialist. She's a gastroenterologist. Yeah. She's busy. Yeah, know, she got yeah. stuff she's doing. She you know, outside she, of the home.
1: Yeah, because she's she's great at time management, and she does. She's not a procrastinator. I'm a procrastinator, <laughs> and that's something I battle with. Pray for me. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I get a lot done, obviously. But that's that's a battle for me. Like there, you know, there's a. I think I've a. There's a little part of me that has a tendency toward laziness, you know what I mean And procrastination, and I don't see that in her like she's not she gets up in the morning gets to work and you know like um, I mean she, like you said, she
0: yeah she she gets her stuff done um and she and she is uh she is um sought after because my 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 interaction with her was even before I even knew you because <laughs> two years ago I needed a gastroenterologist and I called her office cuz she's at, happens to be in a practice near my house and they were like yeah you can see her in 5 months <laughs> you know? like, I had to get somebody else <laughs> you're so
1: busy yeah well you know? she's been um voted one of the top doctors in in New Jersey and in the region this region of the country for several years yeah. you know so she's she's yeah, yeah. She's really uh incredibly successful. It's funny, you know, cuz when you live with somebody and yep, you knew them yep, when they were in college, yep, it's yep. just, you know, them as Crystal. <laughs> right? You know, you can you can overlook things, but a lot of there's been few times where I've seen her speak and um I'd be like, "Man, she's impressive." <laughs> yeah, you know, just like if I didn't know her, <laughs> right. I'd be I'd like, "Really impressed." Right? <laughs> you know, and um so and that's something important too. Sometimes her and I you know, when we've had fights or arguments, and you, you do that, you know, right. in marriage, you're going to have your arguments. Anytime you put two people together to live together, they're going to have arguments, whether it's siblings, you know, or, or spouses. Roommates. But, yeah, right, yeah. But um, we say to each other, sometimes we get in an argument, we're taking each other for granted, like, look at, you know, if she just, if I just look at her and all the things she brings to the table, like I would be really impressed and I should praise her for that. You know, I would praise somebody for that and vice versa. If she just looks at me, you know, she would. So that's that's that can give you perspective, you know, in your marriage, you know, because it's human nature to take somebody for granted or something for granted or get used to something. Yeah. yeah. So you always have to keep that perspective. And um, so we've been able to do that,
0: you know. Okay fantastic fantastic all right let's jump into yes or bs so yes or bs i'm gonna say a a statement and you're gonna say you agree with it yes or you're gonna say it's it's, it's bs it's it's crapola
1: (laughs) do i get to expound or okay okay. if you want to you can Because sometimes i've done something similar and they only want one word a one-word answer and it's like Then they want more. They like <laughs> after they so
0: okay. Cool. No, no. You can you can expound if you need to. Sometimes you know it, it, it's so you, you feel so deeply entrenched in your yes or bs that you don't want to expound. You're right, like, no, <laughs> right. That's, 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 it, really. that's it. That's right, it. Number one, LeBron is the goat. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I knew this was coming. I knew. I knew it was coming. Um I hate I hate to say BS because LeBron is such a fantastic player and uh-huh. and obviously he's a great person. Right. Um but BS. Uh I got him second <laughs> okay. on my list. Okay. I got Michael Jordan as Bird. the GOAT and yes. LeBron is second and okay. and my argument is this. Um number 1 cuz cuz it's not The GOAT is not one thing. It's not just championships or rings. It's not just individual play. It's not just the eye test. It's not just skills. It's not just who your teammates were or who you beat or what, you know, teams you beat. It's a mixture of all of that. And when I look at LeBron James and Michael Jordan, first of all, I think Michael Jordan dominated the NBA individually to a greater degree than LeBron did. Mm-hmm. Number one, he led the NBA in scoring 10 straight years that he played full. Like, you don't count the year he came back from baseball. That was 17 games. Um, 10 straight years. That's impressive. He changed conventional wisdom because the feeling was that twofold. One, you could not build a dynasty around a two-guard, Okay. You you had to have a great big man. You look at the Celtics with Bill Russell. You look at the the Bird Celtics with Kevin McHale and Parrish and Larry Bird, who was six nine. You look at the Lakers Showtime. They had Kareem. Like every there had to be a big man. Jordan changed conventional wisdom That's true. and said you can win it without a great big man. And then, like I said, led the league in scoring ten straight years. Led the league in steals three years. LeBron has led the league in one category one time, Hmm. scoring once. Now, he's been dominant. There's no question. But in terms of leading the
0: league, he hasn't done it, you know? And so, other than that one year. So I think. What is Jordan? He averaged like 38 in the playoffs, something crazy like that?
1: Yeah, he had years where he had, not 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 overall, but I think he averaged 30 overall for his career and in the playoffs. Okay. Um, but so I, I give him, I say that, uh, and then of course, from a winning standpoint, he obviously six for six in championships and six, Jordan really had 11 full seasons uh, in his greatness in his prime. If you take out Washington, dude was 38, 39 and 40 years old. So I I don't think anybody will hold that against him. That's two years. (laughs) He only played 15 Then his second year, he played, I think, 17 games or 18 games because he broke his foot. Then the year he came back from baseball, he played 17 games. So take those years out. He had 11 full seasons. He won six championships in those 11 years. And the way LeBron locked down the East – like, the last eight years, LeBron has locked down the East. Yeah. Nobody even – like, teams were shook. Toronto, <laughs> no, we can't – we we shook.
0: <laughs> we can't beat him,
1: right? You wasn't winning the East unless you played on LeBron James's team. Right. Michael Jordan did that with the whole league. Mm. He did that with the whole league. Yeah. Six straight – I say six straight. People say, oh, it wasn't six straight because he came back from baseball. Come on. That wasn't the real Michael Jordan, you know. And he proved it after that. So he locked down the whole league the way LeBron locked down the East. Okay. Um, secondly, I think Michael Jordan and another conventional wisdom he broke was they, they thought you couldn't lead the league in scoring and win championships because mm. Larry Bird never led the league in scoring. Uh, Wilt, the two championships he won were in very low scoring years for him not when he led the league. You know, so there was a feeling that if one guy scoring so many points, you can't win. Michael Jordan overturned that, you know. Um and secondly, I think Jordan Jordan didn't have a weakness. LeBron's only weakness would really be um free throw shooting, which isn't terrible. You know, he's not it terrible foul shooting. Yeah, he's yeah. decent decent shooter. But I think Michael Jordan, people say the eye test I think Michael Jordan had a better post game than LeBron. Now, LeBron could have a better post game, he but doesn't he, doesn't, he, he doesn't, he hasn't, yeah, out. he hasn't developed it. Michael Jordan had a better post game than LeBron. I think Michael Jordan was a better finisher at the rim. And I'm not even talking about era. I'm not even going to bring up that you could get clobbered when he played and that that was the best era of seven footers ever. But just the fact that I think he finished better at the rim. Like LeBron mm-hmm. is a great finisher, but he will miss some contested mm-hmm. layups. Sure. Kyrie was their best finisher at the rim when he played with LeBron, um, and then uh, he's obviously a better foul shooter. But also, I think Michael Jordan could fit into a system, whereas LeBron—this is a credit to his greatness—but he becomes the system, right? Right. Everybody <laughs> has to adjust to play around LeBron for him and 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 the team to be at its best. That's true. But with Jordan, you could fit him into a system. Like, he didn't dominate the ball. People think that's crazy. He shot a lot. But I'm talking, when I say dominate the ball, I mean dribble for 15 yeah. seconds. Yeah,
0: he didn't do that. Yeah. And,
1: and LeBron's yeah. not alone. That's that's a plague of this whole generation. A lot of Dwayne Wade, Chris Paul, Steve Nash, you know, a lot. They dominate the ball to, yeah, over dribble. James Harden. I mean, it just takes away from your team. You watch Jordan. It was two dribbles, pull up, bam. A lot of possessions. He didn't even touch the ball, you know. But he, that era, you got it, and you went to work. If you went behind your back, if you went between your legs, it was as part of a move. Right. Now it looked good and it was fresh, but it was a part of a move, right. you know. Right. You were now, just, just yeah, top of the key. exactly. Just for for <laughs> twenty seconds, pounding the ball. Everybody standing there, so that makes it easier on your teammates. When when you can fit in where I don't have to over dribble all the time and, you know, and I'm not really doing everything like, you know, Dwayne Wade had to step back and really become like 80 percent of the player he was for them to win and give LeBron the reins and Wade step back and Bosh really step back, yeah, a, a back, became a role player. Kevin Love, step back, became a role player. So, that's not a knock on LeBron, but that's part of him being the system versus I think Michael Jordan fitting into the triangle or whatever system you had. And um I think that can make it a little easier on your teammates. Okay. And so I got like I said I got LeBron second, uh ahead of Kareem, ahead of Magic, ahead of Wilt, Kobe, Shaq, all these guys, Bird, um but behind Mike. Behind Mike. Yeah. And I think I have an airtight argument, by the way.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yes, yes, (laughs) I I would have to
1: agree. The argument for LeBron, if you're going to argue LeBron, one, you got longevity. Mm -hmm. Although longevity can get dangerous because, I mean, his longevity is second to none. Like he'll probably end up as the leading scorer of all time, fifth in the top five, top 10 in assists, only player to do that. Both scoring and assist, you know, top five scoring, top ten assists, and his his prime. I mean, it's incredible. We've never seen a player like this in his. He'll be in his seventeenth year, I think, or sixteenth year. But um, the the negative of long so a longevity is an argument, but the negative side of that is wait, you were dominant for. 17 years and you only won 3 yeah, yeah, rings? Yeah, like you look at Cleveland, yeah. I said Jordan won 6 titles in basically 11 years. Cleveland had LeBron for 11 years and he got he got 1 ring, which was yeah. a great ring, but yeah. 1 ring. Yeah. You know, so the long, if you don't win you got you you don't win as many championships, you had this super long long prime but you only won 3 rings. That's a tough sell against 6 rings in a shorter time, you know. But the longevity argument and LeBron faced better teams than Jordan. Jordan never like Jordan didn't play during a super team era. Right. Back then, you each team, the the top teams had one or two superstars. New York had Ewing. Phoenix had Barkley. Uh P- Portland had Drexler. Indiana Spurs, had right. Reggie Miller. Spurs had David Robinson. You know, and Jordan, it was Jordan and then he helped Pippen become, you know, a star. Um, and some teams had two Stockton and Malone, you know, Kemp, Sean Kemp and Gary Payton in Seattle. But it wasn't super teams like now. So that argument LeBron does have is that, yeah, yeah I beat Golden State. Or he did beat them once, but I didn't beat them with Kevin Durant. You know, like right. I, it's hard to hold that against them. On the flip side, when LeBron had his super team, In Miami, and he had one in Cleveland, just not as good as Golden States was. (laughs) Right. But when he had it in Miami, Miami. they only won two out of four. Yeah. It's not like they ran four straight or even three out of, you know, they won two out of four. So those are some of the arguments. Like, look, when you, when you're debating the GOAT and making the difference between these all times greats, you nitpick. You have to. You nitpick. That's not cause they all were phenomenal, but you nitpick and so that that's where I got Jordan ahead. Okay.
0: My second one is actually it, it piggybacks off this. So I'm a i I'll tell you a quick story about how I found out about you. Um back in two thousand ten when, you know, it was clear Jordan was gonna I mean, uh, uh LeBron was leaving Cleveland the yeah. first time. You know, everybody was wondering where he was gonna go. I remember I was home, I was watching Sports Center, and I saw this dude, some some light skinned dude on T V <laughs> talking about, LeBron's going to Miami. And I was like, "Who is this dude? He don't know what the hell he's talking about." Miami, he get the hell out of here! Right. So then the next day, when he does the you know the thing, in Connecticut, and he said, "I'm going to South Beach." I was like, "Choo I was like, "Yo, who is this dude?" <laughs> like every nobody got that. Like you right. were probably the only person that said that. Everybody else was saying all kind of other stuff, and I I gained a lot of respect for you. I said, you know, he's he's got some kind of insight. People respect him, and so the question is. A reporter cannot be successful without sources. Sauces or sources. Because I, I see the memes where they <laughs> say I got sauces.
1: <laughs> no, that's yes. Yes. I mean, that's the name of the game in reporting. Yeah, yeah. You, you gotta yeah, have, have sources. sources. You gotta have sources and, and developing sources is an art, not a science. You just have to de- you have to develop relationships and people have to be able to trust you. You know there are certain things you can do but um work you got to work really hard especially nowadays it's like 24/7 um when i wrote for newspapers breaking a story happened once a day i mean in newspaper that morning like if something if i got a breaking news right now uh i guess you could go on tv but for the most part it would have to wait till the newspaper you know, uh, the next day. Whereas now, Twitter stuff is out yeah. immediately. Bleach so, report, so yeah. So now you're pretty much working around the clock to break stories. But um, yeah, no,
0: that's yes. You, yes. you you definitely need sources. Yeah. Okay. No question. <laughs> Number three. Chris Broussard is a better writer than he is an analyst. Hmm. Hmm. Well.
1: I'm a I'm, I got a caveat because I have I have a way <laughs> out because I can say BS because now I don't write. <laughs> I, I haven't written a word since I got to Fox, you know. Right. So now just strictly on television. But I, I was a really I was a good writer. Um, and I you know I I, I probably I want to write some books in the future and stuff. But um, but I felt like to be the best at this craft, you had to be a good writer and reporter. There are a lot of those, but there also are some that are great writers, but not reporters or great reporters, but not writers. Um, but, yeah, I'll, I'll say right now, you know, since that's that's what I do now <laughs> and comment, commentate. All right.
0: Number four, the step back is the most overused move in move in basketball, <sighs> in professional basketball. I should say.
1: Hmm. That's because I'm trying to think of what is you got the crossover, the step back, I guess you could say any type of dribbling move, Um,
0: the euro step. I mean, I I watch. uh you know, a lot of these YouTube. I see Joel and B doing the yeah, back. I'm yeah, yeah, like, nah. I they, they I everybody's mean, doing. I mean, what's up?
1: Everybody's doing the step back. <laughs> step, back right. step
0: to the side.
1: And I don't do a step like when I was coming up. Right. Nobody. I wasn't, don't step back. It wasn't you step heard forward. of.
0: Yeah. So it's it, right, right. I mean, they say they do say Bird had sort of a version of the. step <laughs> yeah, back. Yeah, it wasn't quite like this, but yeah. <laughs> it wasn't quite as exaggerated. Because yeah, no. you know, those, these dudes go from oh, you know, they <laughs> way step way back five on. feet, ten feet. It's amazing.
1: It's an amazing move. Um, I, I think you make a good point because everybody's doing it. Um, I might say yes. I'll say yes to that one. I think it's a great move, though. But yes, it's overused because everybody, people that shouldn't be doing it are doing it, right?
0: <laughs> I feel you on that. <laughs> Number five. I know you answered this, but I had to put this in here. Success comes when you blend your passions with your natural gifts. Yes. Yes. That is what my
1: formula was to, for my career, sports writing was take something I enjoyed or passion, which is sports, plus something I was gifted at, which was writing. Sports, let me try to be a sports writer. So, yeah.
0: It's a great formula. Yeah. Number six, a great leader can be successful despite personal vices. I have to say yes because we've seen it. I
1: mean Martin Luther, Martin Luther King, King, yeah, yeah. He obviously was a great leader. Um, yeah, you know. I, ideally, you know, of course, you don't want that, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. But um, yeah, we've seen we've seen great men lead, and and I have to say this too. Unfortunately, um, in America, because it. You know, it's it's been a country. It's not a Christian. It's never been a Christian nation because obviously the way people of color were treated and stuff sure. and have been treated here, still yeah. are yeah the whole nine yards. But it was a nation that where people had a Judeo Christian worldview. Okay. So even if they didn't live out the faith, um, they there was a that was how life. That was the viewpoint of how people should live. You know. Like even if you weren't being faithful to your wife, it was a viewpoint of you should, you know, you, you know, that that's wrong or whatever. Um, and that that worldview actually allowed our great freedom fighters like Harriet Tubman and Frederick Douglass and Martin Luther King, Marcus Garvey, even um, Malcolm X to fight the system based on that Judeo-Christian ethic. Like they, they I mean, Martin Luther King was basically saying, if you're really a Christian nation. You shouldn't treat your black citizens like this. Frederick Douglass said it. Malcolm was saying, it. you know, like so. Um, but because of that Judeo-Christian worldview. <clears throat> um, our ethics of what we think a leader should be are based in that. So we do think a leader should have certain morals. You know, up until a few decades ago, the president, even though behind the scenes, maybe stuff was going on. But like, I remember Gary Hart running in the late 80s or early 90s. He was going to probably be president, you know, but he got caught with a mistress on a boat and he was done, you know. And now that because that that worldview had people thinking nah, he's supposed to be, you know, he's supposed to be faithful to his wife. Yeah. And that's changed. And so, oh, right. <laughs> and Bill Clinton was the first with, you know, when they he knew was he was president. So right, got in already. Yeah. And, but when even remember when he, yeah. when he was running, when he was running, they knew he had been a Jennifer Flowers. Jennifer Flowers they right. knew he had been a face. So that kind of began it. And now obviously you have, uh, Trump in the White House with where people are basically like character and integrity that don't even matter. And so I will say that unfortunately, if our as our society goes away from norms we all grew up with, yeah, you you may. And historically, you've had leaders who have not had good, and I'm not talking about like a Martin Luther King, but I'm talking about if you read world history, a lot of leaders have been. I mean, Adolf Hitler was a leader. You know, you a lot of leaders have had these vices or just terrible character, and. Even though we felt like that shouldn't be what a leader is, if our society keeps going the way it is, that's, That's yeah, it's not going to be about a leader should be a band of integrity and high character and morals. It's just going to be like whoever can get people to follow who's the most dominant personality or who has the most money or who has the most power around him or, you know, and they will legitimately be leaders.
0: Yeah. Unfortunately, I, th- I, I I just uh, had two thoughts about. Uh, I remember Jimmy Swaggart talking about the eighties and nineties. Remember when yep. he he was crying on TV? Yeah, <laughs> like I really felt that like he was sorry, you know. And yeah. that moment, then fast forward, you know, a couple. Of, I mean, God, God rest rested dead, but Eddie Long, you, know, oh, and, you man. know, everything that happened with him. Yeah. So it's you know it's it's rough. It's yeah, rough. yeah, yeah. All yeah. right, number seven in five years, Chris Rousard will graduate from seminary.
1: <laughs> uh... <laughs> <laughs> I hate to even use the term BS in relation to that. But yeah, that that's probably BS. Okay. There was a time when I've definitely planned on going to seminary. I've been enrolled and accepted yeah. in seminaries. Um, but <clears throat> I don't I don't see that in the cards for me now. You know, I'll continue to do ministry, but yeah, nah. Okay. But I'll be studying and reading. Okay. As, <laughs> as, as you always yeah. do. Now
0: right, we got two more. Number nine is an interesting one. The voice of God and the voice of the ego are easy to differentiate.
1: Oh, I say BS. Mm. I say BS. Um, obviously, you you want to make sure you can do your best to differentiate. Mm. And I think there are times where it's easier. But I just think there are times when people do think their own ego is is God. There's that's evident, you know. So,
0: all right, and the last one. I'm interested to hear that. Number nine, God, Allah, and Jehovah are the same entity. Mm.
1: Well, God was certainly, and Jehovah are same. Allah, there are those that have said that's just the Arabic word for God. Then there are those that say that Allah was called a moon God. Hmm. Like, that was a moon god in, in Mecca and all that. Um, I think it's it's a moon god. What I would say is this. Um, at the Christian belief is you can't get to Allah except through Jesus Christ. Hmm. Like, Jesus said, you can't get to the Father except through the Son. Okay, so... Even if you want to say Allah is just another name for God, the father, then we would say, okay. but you get to Allah by or God, the father, by going through Jesus Christ, his son, who is the one that sacrificed his life and for your sins. So you could be forgiven and then you could be in the presence of God, Mm -hmm. the father. So I'd have to study that a little more. But but I would say I would still say, even if they are the same, to get to Allah, you have to go through the Son. The Son. The Son. Okay. Because Jesus said, you don't, you can't know the Father except you accept the Son. Okay. Right.
0: All right. All right. I had a, a scripture down. I, I saw that at least previously um, underneath the King movement, there was a scripture Ephesians, uh, six, 10, 10, 10, Well, it was 10. Yeah. Um, but I actually, I really liked 11 and uh, 11 says, uh, you know, basically each day we should put on the full armor of God so that we can take, so that you can take your stand against the, the devil's schemes. Right. <laughs> I right, love that. Right. The devil's schemes. That's right. That's you know? right. Yep. So about dipping yourself sort of in, in your connection, um, uh, so that you can navigate the, the ill will, right? Of the, uh, right. Of 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 the, uh, the the that negative force that's right. on the planet. You no know? question. So, so it's I, just I, like
1: sports. Yeah. yeah. That's why they watch films, so you know yeah. their schemes. <laughs> you know, the <they're>, <laughs> opponent
0: that they they the devil in that <laughs> right. in that right comparison. Right. Excellent. Schemes. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Excellent, man. Listen, this was great. You know, I really appreciate this conversation. You spending the time. Nah, and, man, it uh, was good. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Tell, tell the people, Chris, how they can, uh, connect with you, uh, connect with, with King and, you know, where, where you're going to be at.
1: Yeah. You can learn more about the King Movement, uh, on our website, kingmovement.com. That's kingmovement.com. Or you can email us at king at kingmovement.com. So if you want to learn more about it, king at kingmovement.com. We do a Thursday prayer call every Every Thursday at twelve thirty p m Eastern time okay it's free uh that's the lunch hour um so brothers it's only a half an hour Brothers can call in and you know get a good message and some prayer and so uh yeah, so that's how they can find out about the king Movement. King
0: okay and then you're on Instagram I know yeah you don't I, don't, really, I know you don't really read your Twitter yeah Twitter <laughs> my
1: Twitter is what at chris underscore Broussard. okay. And Instagram, I think, is Chris Broussard sixty eight.
0: Okay, let me All make right. sure. But yeah, let that's
1: follow a brother. Yeah, follow. A brother. I am that's, trying to he get put some
0: positive stuff up when, right. he, when he puts it up. <laughs> <laughs> right,
1: I'm trying to get my Instagram up because I I'm just starting to. I, I I was just looking at Twitter. Right, right. But then I I was like, you know what, Instagram is looks like the way to go
0: now. Yes, yeah, Chris Broussard sixty eight. All right, excellent, excellent. Cool, man. Well, thank you so much again. Thank and you, man. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed amazing. it. I look forward to hearing it. It's gonna it's gonna yeah. be it's gonna be fantastic and uh I will sign off as I always do. The truth will set you free if you let it.